politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow friends, patriots and countrymen on this September 23rd, fine Monday morning here at the Conservative Review podcast. This is Daniel Horowitz in the house, not Michael Horowitz, the inspector general of the FBI, but the ultimate inspector general of all of government, Daniel Horowitz, back here um, in our Northern Command Center in Maryland. And I want to talk a lot about Maryland today. We're going to have a special guest on the show, Frederick County, Maryland Sheriff Chuck Jenkins, in just a moment. But today's show is not really about Maryland. Most of our audience is not from Maryland. It's a national audience. And the lesson I want you to take out is a lesson that is really happening in every part of the country. It's kind of a quiet weekend. If you look in the news, everyone's continuing with the Ukraine stuff with Biden and Trump and and, and really, you know, stuff that's not that important in my book. But until this week matures in terms of the news cycle, I'm really going to focus on some of our mainstay issues. And as you know, there's no greater job of government than to protect us state and local government to protect us from internal problems. Uh, The federal government is tasked with protecting us from external problems. As always, you guys are sending me a number of cases. Some of them I've seen on my own. Some of them I haven't seen. And I I thank you for that. Of endless criminal alien rapes, endless repeat offender crimes. And I could do shows all day long, every day, just on this. Obviously, we have a lot of other issues to talk about as well. I have an an important column out on Afghanistan today, how every special forces group has lost at least one soldier this year in Afghanistan, what we should have been doing there. Uh, We've had some good shows on that as well. So that's an article out today. There's a lot of important broader immigration news on I want to get to later in the week. But there was just a horrific murder that took place in Frederick County from this supposed knockout game. This is a big problem going on everywhere, and I want to talk about it with the sheriff. But before that, I want to highlight one important story that I think all of us, um, you know, we've seen and heard about a lot of violence in our lives, and you think you've seen everything in life until you find another story where your brain could never have conjured up something like this happening. But everyone needs to know about this, but few will know about it. And like I said, we have data, we have rational arguments, but it doesn't seem to break through. So that's why I've moved on the last couple of of months or so to talking about stories, because that's what the left always does. They always parade around all these model prisoners who really didn't do much and they were locked up forever and they need to be let go. No one ever walks around with victims of crime anymore for the thousands upon thousands of people that are let go by the prison system, by the criminal justice system, are the worst repeat offenders, and uh, they don't get locked up. This is over the weekend from the New York Daily News. And this is alleged to have happened already a week ago on Monday. But this this is just unbelievable. And, and I'm sorry, I want I want this show to be family oriented. And I hate going over some of this stuff, which is so horrific. But someone's got to talk about this. 
A parolee carried out a horrific rape in which he gave his victim an incredibly cruel choice. Have sex with her son, have sex with him, or be killed. Um, Accused rapist Joshua Henderson, 33, should have been locked up when he assaulted the woman in her queen's home. On Monday, said outraged cops. He'd been arrested three times on burglary and other charges after his parole in July 2018, after serving nine years of his 12-year sentence for burglary. And I mean, he he was convicted on six burglaries, um, had a very long record, and he was wearing an electronic ankle monitor, which placed him at the scene of the crime at the time it's alleged to have happened, and that's how the police caught him. But the point is, a lot of people think when you have parole and an ankle monitor, there's like a guy at a camera that's always monitoring. It's not true because they're jailbreaking so many people and so few serve time anymore. And therefore, so many are, are on parole, including very volatile, violent people. What tends to happen is that there's, you know, 100 cops monitoring 2000 people. And you know, they'll catch you eventually, but only after you commit the crime. And the lesson of all of this is that there's no deterrent. There is no deterrent anymore. So anyway, this guy basically, he, um, he went up a fire. Well, he first tried to knock, he knocked on her door of her apartment in Howard Beach and posed as a construction worker. She closed the door. But then he broke in through a fire escape. I guess it wasn't too high up and got in there. And he based, I, I don't know the story. It says she had one son who was special needs, but wasn't there. But there was another 25 year old son who was there. And I, I don't think he showed the woman a gun, but convinced her he had a gun. And he basically gave her an ultimatum that you either engage in incest with that 25 year old son um, or he would rape her or kill her. And she obviously chose, you know, the least in evil of all the options. And she suffered the rape at his hands. He then, the suspect, according to the Daily News here, used soapy water and sprayed the victim to try to clean up the DNA evidence. Um, he also took jewelry and money and other stuff. He was arrested on Wednesday on rape, robbery, and other charges. The victim identified him from a photo array and lineup, and he was also caught on surveillance video, prosecutor said Thursday. So what's unbelievable is this guy evidently has a wife, Joanna Henderson. How could they do this to him? He didn't do anything. He had three kids and a wife at home. He's a loving and caring man. He'd give you his last. The suspect's wife said the DNA is going to prove he didn't do this. I'm telling you, the DNA is going to prove he didn't do this. Now, we've been reporting on an endless stream of these cases where one after another, people are locked up, not for long enough. This guy actually did serve nine years, which is a rarity these days. I'm sure if it was committed today, he wouldn't serve nine years. This is back from a decade ago. And he violated his parole three times within like eight months. And the latest being this past May. Included burglary, stolen credit cards, fraud. 
at the very least, he should have, you know, if you're out on parole, everyone's like, look, give him another chance. Give him another chance. Give him another chance. Yeah, everyone's into that. Uh, second chances. Well, so everyone should agree that, okay, you're given parole, but if you violate it, then you should be at the very minimum um, serving the rest of that original sentence, if not sentenced to new time, new additional time. But no, he wasn't, you know, maybe he served a couple of weeks in jail pending some of the charges. And basically, cops say, look, it's not our fault. An administrative law judge let him out. Now, all too often, these cases get very localized and people chalk it up to, oh, it was like one bad judge or something. But it's not that. It's that there's this systemic effort, systemic pressure up and down the criminal justice system from the proactive policing to the prosecutors, to the judges, to the parole officers to never arrest people if they're arrested, not to prosecute them. If they're prosecuted, not to sentence them to jail time. If they're sentenced to jail time, not to sentence them for too long and give them parole instead. And if they violate parole, then I just don't want the numbers to go up. I don't want a, another person in prison. So, so they're going to do everything they can to avoid prison time. Whereas you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was do everything you can to get the crime numbers down. Now it's do everything you can to get the prison numbers down. And that's how we're at the point where, you know, arrests in New York City are down 29% this year over last year. They're just hands off approach. They're too scared. They're going to get prosecuted, not the criminals. And yet my colleagues in this business, conservatives, Say, we need criminal justice reform. Now, we do need criminal justice reform, a very different type of reform that they're proposing. But they think we're not letting out enough people. We still have too many people in prison. So there is a whole philosophy behind this. This is not by accident. I could go on on and on. But case I want to talk about today with, with the sheriff is um, Frederick County Fair, Nice County, Western Maryland. Broad daylight, this man was attacked by two youths, a 15 and 16 year old, in what appears to be the knockout game. And the guy died on his way to the hospital or later on in the hospital. And, you know, the case, the case is still murky, but just a horrific case. There's more stories about um, attacks on Jews in New York, this knockout game happening all over the place. Where is the systemic effort up and down state, local, and federal government to deal with? this growing epidemic of knockout crimes. And you know what? You could have all the gun control you want, not that it works to take away guns because the criminals still get guns and we still let out gun felons under criminal justice reform. But even if you theoretically had a plan to do that, well, it's nothing more than a fist or sometimes you know blunt objects. So let's find out more about what happened here in Frederick. Now, folks, Sheriff Chuck Jenkins is no stranger to this program. We've been honored to have him on several times before. Um, in addition to serving his fourth term as Sheriff County, uh, Sh uh, Frederick County Sheriff, he has been a leader in interior enforcement on illegal immigration. Um, he's a leader in training other sheriffs in the 287G program, simply taking the criminal aliens, other countries' criminals, off the hands of our communities and sending them over to ICE where they belong so they could be sent back to their home countries. But today, I wanted to talk to him first about what went on at this county fair and just how this fits into the general picture on crime. Hey, Sheriff, are you on the line? I am. How are you, Dan? 
I am doing all right and uh, really been meaning to have you on for quite some time. But I'm, I'm really disturbed by what happened here because this really hits close to home. Um, most of my audience obviously is not from Maryland. This is a national audience. But we opened the show discussing really this broad national trend in, in many, many areas where crime seems to be increasing, particularly this juvenile knockout game we're seeing going on a lot in New York. Um, just real briefly for our audience, you got a call, your department got a call, 5.36 p.m., Friday, late Friday afternoon, Frederick County uh, Fair, 59-year-old white male lying on the crown, uh, unresponsive. And basically, after interviews, you guys arrested a 15-year-old and 16-year-old black males, charged them first-degree assault, and one with second-degree assault. It seems that um, the victim passed away shortly later. And it was just a stab of pain in my heart because, as you well know, I live right outside of Baltimore. And, you know, this is unfortunately the type of thing you see a lot in the city, which is why we tend to stay away from, uh, you know, events in the city. And we would usually go to a place like Carroll or Frederick County uh, Fair. I have three young kids who would enjoy it. And the notion that in broad daylight, this could happen in a place like Frederick, it just, man, does that shake me up. So if you could just give us your perspective. I know it's an ongoing investigation, but what you could tell us at this point. Well, first of all, let me just preface everything I'm going to say by one simple fact. This soft approach that we've taken toward crime and criminality is not working, okay? Let's just start with that. So this event Friday evening, I happened to be on the fairground myself. I was over there every evening this week with my uh, deputies. We provide uh, law enforcement presence there. So I was standing in front of the administration building, and, and some people came up and started yelling, Sheriff, Sheriff, there's a man laying on the ground. Uh, he, he's unconscious. People are spitting on him. He's hurt. So I just immediately took off to the midway uh, looking looking for the uh, man on the ground. So uh, what had happened is that this was a totally senseless, tragic, unprovoked attack on this man who was simply there Friday evening to enjoy the fair. Uh, he was 59 years old. He had a sister with him, and he had a niece and a niece's boyfriend. Mm. And this man was targeted for some reason. We don't know why. We don't know what provoked uh, this this group of teenagers to approach this man. It started when they asked him for money, and he said no, as I would have said no. So as a result of that, uh, he ended up being uh, punched. And I mean, this was an extreme punch. It was like this this kid launched himself. From from God, ten twelve feet away with, with a roundhouse punch, caught him in the in the jaw, mm. and immediately dropped his head, hit the asphalt, and that was it. Oh man, um, Brad, terrible. I, listen, I'm livid. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Um, I, it just just we don't have that stuff here. It just doesn't happen here until Friday night. I know. I mean, th that's that's the thing, and especially you know, I mean, you're you're forty miles west of me. Unfortunately, this is kind of commonplace where, where I live. We're seeing it a lot in these endless videos in New York City, particularly attacks on Jews. And what bothers me is that, as we see, you know, assaults could range from, yeah, no harm really done, to you could actually kill someone, depending on the circumstance. And 
what I'm finding is it, it appears that particularly with juveniles, we've talked about before when I had you on with, uh, you know, illegal alien MS-13 criminals in PG Montgomery County, sometimes brought in for murder one charges related to gang activity, and they don't serve any time if they're ju juveniles. There appears to be no deterrent. Um, the notion that they could do this, just if you could speak from your experience with criminology, the notion that they could do this in broad daylight, doesn't that speak to some sort of lack of deterrent? There, there, is, there is no deterrence anymore because punishment has been watered down so much in sentencing and, and, and uh, ultimately what, what time a person serves or what consequences there are. I mean, basically, there is no deterrence to anything. Things that used to shock our, com or our conscious, like assaults like this, or let's say the violent brutality of MS-13, we have now become so accepting of this as, you know what, it happened, oh well. But listen, we've got to get tough on crime. We've got to get tough on criminals. And, and I say right now in Frederick County, I hope these two young men, because they made an adult decision here. I hope they are prosecuted to the maximum as adults. I hope they get extensive sentences. I, I hope they're prosecuted uh, as, as toughly as they can be. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Sheriff. Uh, looking at this, I really wonder if they'll even get 10 years or wind up serving 10 years, because um, one of the things I've noticed, and I didn't discover this until this week, I knew it was bad. I didn't realize how bad. The prison population has dropped in absolute terms by 29% in the state of Maryland since uh, 2010. And that's that's not the rate, the incarceration rate. The population's gone up. So the rate's probably right. gone down even more. And, 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 and both parties, politicians in both parties, think it's not enough. So whereas when I was growing up, the pressure in law enforcement, in politics and culture was to reduce crime, now the pressure is drop the prison numbers. Exactly. And that should be very concerning. And in the state of Maryland, you know, they've done nothing more than reduce sentences, let people out of jail earlier. Um, you know, this Justice Reinvestment Act that was touted to be so great, it, it's done nothing but release people out of prison uh, far earlier than what they should have been. Um, I, I tell you, it's, it's really unspeakable. I don't know where we go with this. Because you have people down there making laws that don't understand enforcement, criminality. They don't understand uh, truth in sentencing. They don't understand deterrence. Uh, listen, we are living in a society in an age where we have to go back to being really tough on people to get them and get them off the streets. Some people deserve to go to jail and stay the hell in jail. And, and that's what bothers me, Sheriff. Uh, too many people look in a vacuum at the incident or the guy. Well, could he be let out? Maybe he could be let out. But nobody's looking at the cumulative effect broadly. In other words, in my book, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I, I view justice that there's there's two prongs. So you have to bring justice to the victim. You have to punish that individual. And boy, in this case, man, you know, I'd love to see the death penalty. But yeah, that, that that's never going to happen. Um, or certainly okay. life life in prison, but that's never going to happen. But 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 sheriff, there's the other component, which is deterrent. There's everyone else. There's the 50 other knockouts that are that do happen are going to happen. These senseless. Um, and, and I've noticed this actually was seems to only have been two people. But there's this trend of five, 10, 15, sometimes 15 on one. I mean, there, to me, well, there's got to be some sort of mandatory sentencing for group, just the senseless beatings like that. 
Well, let, let me say this. We are finding out as things move forward, there there were, this was a larger group of teenagers, okay? Because ah. you can, the videos, the taunting of, of the ones in the background, taunting the ones to, to punch this guy, uh, they, they, they were throwing out uh, offensive names. I mean, you can hear the taunting. It was all, it's almost like a wolf pack mentality, as I call it. And uh, you, this is when it all unfolds, you're going to see this, uh, you know, as it comes out in, in the, it's all over the, the internet and videos and everywhere else. But uh, and, and I'm like you. We just had this conversation a while ago. I I think that we should be able to identify and charge every one of them and prosecute all of them with something. It, exactly this group mentality. And again, we're seeing it in New York. All these videos, and they don't want to talk about it. And, and this is what bothers me. If I came from Mars right now. I would think that the pervasive problem of criminality in this country is whites attacking blacks. But really, the, the reality is that those of us who believe in law and order, race never matters because you should be the toughest to the max on anyone, regardless of, of who they are, and you would deter all of it. But instead, what, what winds up happening is you have a lot of this you know, crime committed the other way. And I just you look in their eyes and and look, you know where I live. I mean, a couple of miles away from a lot of this right. stuff. And, and and you see it in their eyes. There's there's no deterrent. We have these 17 year olds that, you know, there's five felonies, larcenies, burglaries, assaults within six months. They don't serve a day. And they don't care. They, they have no feeling. They have no humanity in them. It's, it's just they, they will attack someone. Listen. Daniel, this could have been you and your wife. Yes, yes. Could have been you and your family. Could have been my father, my brother-in-law. Could have been anybody. So why did they? Why did they choose this guy? We don't know. We'll probably never really know. But I tell you where I where where I get the fact that I feel this should be considered a hate crime. So let's take the fact that we probably can't prove that this was racially motivated. Okay, because there's nothing factual that says we can even go in that sure. direction right sure. now, as of right now. But after this, with, with these people that were involved in this attack, standing over this guy, taunting and spitting, doesn't, doesn't that demonstrate to you a hatred or despise wow. of someone? Doesn't that, doesn't that equal a hate crime? It's, sheriff, Sheriff, um, what everyone all, all often asks when this happens is, where is everyone else? Where is everyone else? Do you feel that – so you're saying it wasn't just two people. It was a whole group, and that kind of was, deterred other people from getting involved? I, I, I could have been. Okay. Listen, you're talking about the midway part of the fairground where it's mostly families with young, younger children, okay, or older people enjoying the evening. You know, who is going to get involved in something like that? Who is going to stand up and try to defend this guy at the risk of themselves? And, and, and look, I'd, Sheriff, I'd be remiss not to bring this into the conversation. The very same morally dyslexic politicians who don't want to arrest people who should be arrested, who don't want to sentence people who should be sentenced, who parole people who shouldn't be paroled, are the ones who want to ensure that people like this and people like, you know, you said it could happen to me and my family. You know, it could. I'll tell you why. Because, you know, I cannot get a, a carrier's permit in the state of Maryland. Um, right. So, you know, they could attack in, in groups of 10, 15 people, sometimes with a gun, sometimes without a gun. They're not deterred, but we can't carry guns here. 
I agree. I mean, you you have no way of defending yourself again. Listen, if it were a one-on-one thing and and, and the and the man had a chance to defend himself, sure. it doesn't make it right. But at least at least you could understand this. This man never had a chance. Okay, uh-huh. again, that that what I call wolf pack mentality. They targeted him. Something bad was going to happen for some reason. We don't know what it was. And at the end of the day, a man is dead, never to be brought back. We can't make that right. Uh, the family's gonna, uh, their lives are changed forever. And these two young people, uh, in my book, ought to be prosecuted to the fullest extent, the maximum sentence allowable. It's just, you have to send a message, but unfortunately, we back off of this all the time. You, you know, Sheriff, I'm, j- I'm just choking up here. I, I really, um, I'm angry. I, I tell you, Dan, I am upset. I'm angry. Man. Again, maybe because I was right there. Maybe because yeah. this guy is close to my age. Maybe because I see all the evil in this that we see throughout our society has now hit home in Frederick. It, it, it just, you know, I, I saw this in Dundalk on, on the east side of, of Baltimore County a couple of years ago. A guy was, I, I, he might not have died in the end, but he was beaten so badly and was one of these large groups. And I was thinking to myself, there's got to be some sort of state mandatory minimum to push that if you are involved in an unprovoked group attack, I mean, there should be a 30 year sentence for that. Um, There's got to because, again, it's not just a matter of justice, which I think is important. But, you know, in retrospect, but prospectively, there's there's no deterrent. And, and, you know, we've had these private conversations before the, the, the two of us. In the world of politics, my colleagues who could call themselves conservatives, um, Daniel, we need criminal justice reform and we lock up too many people. I and mean, what planet do you guys live on? Yeah, you know, it's just like I think uh, you and I probably agree. On, I, I, I am a proponent, strong proponent of the death penalty. OK, yeah. again, not because it's a deterrent, because it's a true punishment, a life for a life. And if it can't be a deterrent, then damn it, it, send, it sends a message as there is punishment. Because because I'm worried here that basically, you know, you take involuntary manslaughter of a juvenile and, and, and you can get an equation and then and then all the 50 million Maryland jailbreak programs to get out early. So you're sentenced. But then there's what you serve. You know, what I'm scared about is, you know, everyone else getting nothing and two guys maybe getting a few years. That's what right. I mean. Is there anything you you guys could do working with the prosecutor to um, ensure that doesn't happen? I mean, I know some of this is out of your hands. Yeah, it is. Listen, we are basically the finder of fact. We go out and we yeah. find a fact, gather all the evidence and, and you know the video witness statement. We put it all together. We put the case together, and we will advocate for the the, the heaviest possible charges. But at the end of the day, that's all I can do. I can't force a prosecutor. Um, I, I think the prosecutor in this case will will um, hand down or at least decide on on not only the appropriate charges but but the strongest charges he can put together. And again, a lot of that is based on you know do the facts that we gather make the elements of the crime of certain you know to meet a certain statute. That's where it all comes down. You know, I, I didn't even mean to do this, but I think this is actually a, a perfect segue into legal immigration, criminal alien sanctuary cities, 287G, um, just the second component I want to talk to you about today, because we have such a weak system, because so many American criminals get off so easy, repeat offenders don't get locked up, they get let out, and we got to constantly deal with the repeat offenses. This is why it is so, so important. You talk about as a sheriff, you know, 
you're limited. You, you, you can't keep them in jail. You, you can't even prosecute them. You could just, you know, arrest them and, and present the facts. But one thing you could do is fully keep out and ensure that if the guy doing the crime is a foreign national, that is the last crime they commit and they're handed over to ICE. How do you feel as a sheriff county, uh, a, a Frederick County sheriff that actually does what I just said, watching your neighbors to the south in Montgomery County, where we see, and, and this is a low ball estimate, this is just nine confirmed rape cases, many of them child rapes at the hands of Honduran or Salvadoran nationals in Montgomery County, where a lot of them, one of them I saw was a repeat offender. The guy was arrested for rape a year ago. For whatever reason, the woman was too scared to go with the charges, fine. But then that's the point. An American, you're kind of screwed in law enforcement. There's not much you can do. The guy goes, hey, but but this guy should have been out. You're speaking to the choir because <laughs> I am so happy. I Listen, I am so, let me say this. I feel like what we're doing in Frederick County is certainly the right thing for Frederick County residents, the safety of the citizens here. I believe it's the right thing to do. And I believe whatever I can do to keep the criminals off of our streets and in the case, in this case, get them deported from the country, not to commit more crimes. At the end of the day, I've done the very best I can. I don't know how the, the politicians of Montgomery County, the county executive can look themselves in the mirror shaving or look at a, a Montgomery County resident and say, I've made the right decision. You know, I feel really good that we've had five consecutive years and I think probably going on a six where serious crime has been reduced drastically year after year. And in part because of our immigration enforcement, what we do to cooperate by ICE and not letting criminals back onto the streets to commit more crimes. And, and isn't it just as simple as a fact that when someone's arrested, you ask them, as anyone would think logically, I mean, I get asked if I'm a citizen all the time. We all do for more mundane um, interactions with with private companies, with with certainly law enforcement or a court or a government agency, you ask them what country they're a citizen of, and if they're not American, so well that's a big deal because then, you know, you don't have the pretrial problems where they get released on bond. You could hand them over to ICE and they could deport them, or if you know we're not going to prosecute them in that case, then. Again, an American, you're kind of screwed. They're out. You're going to probably suffer from recidivism. These guys, they should be turned over. Could you quantify for us how many lives you think you've saved? Now, I know you don't have an answer to that, but just with how many bad guys you feel you've gotten out of Frederick County? I, I can I can tell you now. What I'm going to tell you is this. So I can't tell you how many lives we've saved. Sure. I certainly would begin to, to guess, but I can tell you this. So over 11 years, we have put 1,500 almost 30 criminals into removal deportation proceedings. Now, what percentage of those have actually been deported? A pretty high percentage. I would say probably in the 90-some percent of those have been deported out of this country to other countries of origin. I don't really know what the answer is. But I will tell you how many of those would have gotten out and reoffended, maybe worse crimes, more serious, more violent, more violent crimes against the citizens of this county. It has to make a difference. It absolutely, there's no way you can argue that it doesn't. And who can argue with the way we do this? Who can argue that it's simply after you're arrested, you're not released back onto the street? It's not like we're going out and scooping people up. It's after you are arrested. After you're arrested. State or local charge. 
everything we do in this program is within the confines of that jail. Nothing on the street. No Nothing immigration. Street. No. It, it is literally the biggest win-win I've ever seen. I, I, I thought of you. This is when I wanted to have you on the show. Another stab of pain in my heart. When I, um, I spoke last week with Marla Wolf. Um, I don't know if you're familiar oh, with her. Story. Tragic story. I, I was thinking of you. The reason why I was thinking of you is because, so for our listeners, so I, yeah, I, I figured you you knew of her. So she was in, in Bethesda, Montgomery County. Her husband was a legal immigrant from Venezuela, worked himself up to be a supervisor, special agent for the FBI. And um, he was killed by this guy that they never gave him a breathalyzer test or whatever. So we can't say it was confirmed he was drunk driving or on drugs, but he wound up speeding in an insane way on the shoulder the bodies went flying him and uh, uh, Sander Cohen, the deputy fire marshal in Montgomery County, two people killed. And it turns out that this guy, um, Pelosius, uh, who was who was arrested at the time, he was convicted twice for drunk driving. He was uh, charged or it might have been convicted too, was smashing 15 vehicles in a Dunkin Donuts windows. Also had drug charges before all within a couple of years. ICE asked for access to the jail to to um to visit him. I think because the, the issue was he wasn't a um initial entry. He he overstayed a visa. That's how he was illegal. So they they probably needed to get the story, and they said screw you. I mean a hundred thousand percent avoidable. I mean, yep. And and I was thinking, man, had this happened in Frederick County. That guy would have been gone and this would have never happened. That's right. And her husband would be alive today. Oh, man. I'm, Unless, I'm, a believer, yeah. I'm a believer that life is all about seconds and inches, right? Or being in some place at a particular time. But just think about it. Had this person been incarcerated in Frederick County, turned over to ICE, it would have never have happened. Five times over. I, there, there were about five different arrests or convictions in his uh, record within a couple of years. And, and again, that's the beauty. You're not, you know, kicking in doors, pulling out cleaning ladies from, uh, you know, cleaning homes that that, you know, they're not going to harm anyone. Again, not to say they have a right to be there, but that's that's the Fed's responsibility. It's a different story. You're not dealing with that. Simply right. someone arrested for a crime. Hey, oh, well, 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 you know, are you a citizen of the U.S.? Well, oh, different country. OK, well, let's notify ICE so they can ensure the 50 million ways that we release criminals, American criminals, and don't sentence them and don't prosecute them, and they get out or they get out on pretrial bail. Well, this guy, at least, you know, we could we could avoid this crime. Um, can you talk just a little about what you're doing to raise awareness and and some successes you've had with with other sheriffs? My understanding is you've worked with some other Maryland sheriffs on this, like Harford County. Yeah, Harford County, uh, Sheriff Gaylor up there, and then Cecil County uh, is also now up and running on 287G. Uh, of course, we were the first 11 years ago, probably the most effective uh, in the state of Maryland, probably because of our location, honestly. But uh, again, uh, a lot of sheriffs, and I don't know why other sheriffs haven't bought into this, okay, or haven't said, you know what, this is a good program, let me do it for my county, other than the fact the politics involved in it. Um, I've tried to sell it to other sheriffs. Uh, there are not many other takers, and but but I think as we move forward, I think you're seeing Americans and Marylanders increasingly frustrated with what's going on. I think this is going to be ramped up to to a national pitching or tipping point, if you will, 
where people are going to start to demand that their law enforcement take action to go down this road in this direction. Um, again, listen, uh, there's something coming up here in Frederick on October 6th. It's a rally uh, to support the 287G program. Uh, what did I say? October. October 6th, Baker Park at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. There are a lot of people out there who are really frustrated with what's going on in Montgomery. And, and as my fear is, that what's going on down there is going to start to impact Frederick County. Blatant, wow. it, uh, ignoring the law, releasing criminal aliens back onto the streets. Criminal don't, criminals don't understand or know or care about jurisdictional boundaries. So my big concern, my worry is what they're doing down there will negatively impact this county and criminals will start coming this way and it's going to make life tough for us. Wow, Especially, October 6th, okay. It, especially the, the criminal gangs, especially the brutality, the intimidation, the violence of these gangs. Why do we tolerate this in this country? We're not a culture like that. We've never tolerated this before, but all of a sudden it's become the norm. So not only do we go weak on our own, then we import you know, other countries' gangs, um, record numbers. Maryland is ground zero for Salvadoran gangs. Um, you know, it was jolting to our community here. So for the most part, just demographically, Everyone knows about MS-13 being more of a PG Montgomery County problem. You've had a little bit of it in, in, um, in Frederick, but I, I feel like you've stemmed the, the bleeding. If not for, for 287G, you would have had more of a significant problem. But in Baltimore area, well, we got the native crime problem, but no one really thought of MS-13 here. And then, you know, last month, 10, 10 people were arrested, um, mainly Salvadorans, um, one Mexican, I believe. Uh, part of MS-13, it looked like it was a gang-on-gang -gang killing, and that was in Towson. And and some of these people I looked at that said their address was Cockeysville. This is a nice area. I mean, this is not in the city. And uh, the Baltimore County executive said, we don't have MS-13 here. Well, evidently you do. <laughs> well, why, why do election officials refuse to accept the fact they're here? They deny they're here. They don't want to recognize the problem. I don't get that because, listen, I, I can tell you for a fact that this part of Maryland, up here in central Maryland with, with the mountains, the rolling hills, uh, the farmland, um, El Salvadorians uh, uh, love this part of the country because it reminds them of their home country. So it stands to reason that with that population as they migrate here, uh, the gangs are going to come with them. We, we've had a fair amount of success um, arresting some of these uh uh, MS-13 gang members, placing them, in, placing them in deportation, and they're gone. So again, we're a safer county because of it. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just a lot to think about here because my concern is that with everything going on, everyone's focused on every other issue but crime. And I remember when I was younger in the early 90s when the crime bubble really popped, but right before it popped, got really bad, People were outraged and the politicians responded to it, certainly Republicans, but even Democrats. I mean, even Martin O'Malley back in the day in Baltimore was was focusing on arresting people rather than the opposite. And yet now I can't even get Republicans to engage. And for, for everything government does, you know, you talk about agriculture, you have agriculture in your in your county. They get involved in farm subsidies and farm regulations and healthcare regulations and all sorts of things. The reason why we have a government the most important part of that social compact is why is to keep us safe because that's the yep. ultimate liberty. I mean, sure. If you can't walk at a fair, you don't have liberty. 
Brother, I'm with you. I, I, <laughs> I'm, yeah. a, I'm at a loss of words, actually. I really am. I, I'm uh, just so upset. Um, any, yeah. There was more I could do. I wish there were, were more that we could do here in law enforcement. I wish our hands weren't tied. Um, I don't know. Well, one but, more thing. I, I don't know. You, you, yeah, I'm sorry. Now you've got Congress wants to eliminate ICE. What in hell are they thinking about? That is the very first line of defense for public safety and homeland security in this United States of America is ICE and Customs and Border Patrol. Yep. And Congress is talking about eliminating ICE. Can you imagine? And again, Sheriff, the, the big point that I think not enough people on our side have drummed home, the importance of ICE and, and, and Border Patrol and immigration enforcement. And, and you know, a lot of people are like, Dana, why are you always focused on like immigrants? Emmer, you hate immigrants. And no, what they don't understand is the technical legalities. It's not that a crime committed by them is more evil than than, you know, heck, the crime committed that we just talked about in Frederick, which was most likely U.S. citizens, which is just as horrific as it gets. It's that it's the most avoidable and redressable because, like we said, you could have a good sheriff's department, good police department. It's out of their hands. There's 50 different stages of criminal justice where there's 100 different loopholes for dirtbag defense attorneys to get them off whereas with foreign nationals ice has the ability to complete the circuit of criminal justice in other words they can completely remove them from the country thereby ensuring they don't harm people whereas and i know this is a tough pill to swallow your department for american citizens you don't you just don't have that ability no, we just have to deal with them over and over and <laughs> over, and the recidivism and the revictimizing. We we just continue to deal with it. But when you do have the when you do have the capability of removing that person from your society, why not do that? You get it for free. It's it, it's a free it's a freebie. If I told you X number of murders, robberies, drug trafficking, child sex assaults, drunk driving in particular, very very pervasive problem with them, you, you could completely avoid. Why wouldn't you do it? It's the lowest hanging fruit, um, whereas with Americans, you, you know, you can't deport them. They're, they're going to be here. So you got to land a conviction and, you know, you got all the due process. Then you got the BS due process added on by the courts every single year and it gets harder and harder. Um, closing thought. I know you got to run. Um, and again, I, I encourage people um, Baker Park in Frederick, October 6th, there will be a rally in support of of simply upholding the law and particularly sheriffs joining this win-win 287G program to get out other countries' criminals from this country. There's no way you could oppose this. But Sheriff, I, I feel like whenever I speak to guys like you, you know, they're like, yeah, this is exactly what we're seeing. What I see at a policy level, you see on the ground. Why is there no, I'm not hearing more of a vocal push from sheriffs. I'm hearing Kim Kardashian, the Hollywood people, the billion dollar funded multiple think tanks saying how we we need to let out more people from prison. But nobody's speaking up for victims in law enforcement. Why is that? And what do you think we can do about that? Well, maybe I'm off base. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm looking at things the wrong way. But I, I think politics comes into play so much where people are afraid to vocally speak out. And, and say what they really feel or say what they really believe. I, I think it's too hard to get caught up in the fact you're – listen, every every Tuesday night in Frederick County at the county council meeting, there's a parade of people come in and call me a racist, a bigot, uh, the, the hate immigrants. That, that's not the case at all. Most people probably aren't willing to take the political beating that I take. But I still yeah. – at the end of the day, I think it's the right thing to do.
It, it is. And, and again, the beauty of, of immigration enforcement is that it doesn't discriminate. You know, so if you're oh. from Iceland, if you're from Canada, if you're from any, I don't care where it is. But if you're doing a crime and you're not an American, man, I mean, that should be the last crime you commit in this country. It's a simple proposition. Um, right. Again, first of all, you're in the country illegally, which is a crime. You violated our, our laws. You're in here illegally. Now you commit a, another crime. It's time to go. Well, Sheriff, um, you know, that that was very enlightening. And, and again, I'm just I'm just so man, am I broken by this? So, you know, in the coming days, if you could just update our audience on this and, you know, what they can do to continue to pressure um, we're going to have to talk about what to do more locally, just, you know, with this governor in Annapolis and, and, and to try to what, what bothers me is there's no balance. You know, even if you buy into this jailbreak crap, oh, yeah, the criminals, this criminals, that, but at least recognize the other side of the coin, that there's certainly plenty of people were under incarcerating and at least have a balanced approach parlayed with each leniency. Address this, address the mob beatings which are just horrific and just speak to the undermining of of the core liberties in this country but i'm not seeing a word in annapolis on this no you won't As a matter of fact what you'll see this this uh this legislative session you'll probably see a lot of conversation about legalization of marijuana right and you'll also see efforts again to create a sanctuary state which i'll be down there again fighting with testimony and statistics and information and hopefully keep it from passing because it's been three consecutive years we've had to fight that battle. But one of these days, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I fear where we're going. Well, Sheriff, God bless you for still uh, being one of the few who stands for law and order, stands for victims of crime. Keep doing what you're doing. We're going to keep uh, highlighting your work and uh, looking forward to having you back again. Thank you, sir. You have a good day. Take care. Anyway, folks, that was Sheriff Chuck Jenkins of Frederick County. Um, I don't know. I'm just very low energy today. The, the, for some reason, this and a couple other stories just took the air out of me, just knocked the wind out of me. And and what what Republicans do you see talking about this? The knockout violence, the repeat offender problems, you know, the rape case we just talked about in in Queens that just blows the mind. Um, it just it just hits home. I I don't know. There's something about this. I mean, you know, I've seen hundreds of these and I talk about them all day. There's something about this that just really gets to me. And um, I hope today's show was enlightening. Remember, he said October 6th, they're having a rally for 287G at Baker Park in Frederick. So if you're here, that's the place you want to go. Show your support because I'll tell you, Casa de Maryland, the criminal organization harboring illegal aliens will uh, certainly be, turn out in force. And um, we just don't matter. There's another story I'm going to talk about tomorrow with... Uh, this small town uh, in Minnesota, spotlighted of all places by the Washington Post, being flooded with refugees, um, Central American teens, flooding their schools, social transformation without representation. Nobody ever voted for that. They have to deal with the crimes, the beatings, the cost. And uh, we don't matter. Our voice doesn't get heard. No Republican will talk about this because Republicans suck like anything. Um, Maybe we need more sheriffs running for office. And, and you know what's interesting? You might think this is like, okay, this is a rural, rural county where it's like 90-10 Republican and the guy can't lose. When I was growing up, it was almost like that. But now Frederick has become a, a growing city with MS-13 and, and uh, lots of immigration, lots of um, Baltimore and Washington 
folks moving out there because they can't stand the crime here, but then they go there and vote for the liberal policies to transform Frederick. He's 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 got a tough reelection there. Um and the whole world is gunning for him. So you know where to Google him, go online and see if there's anywhere where you could help him. I don't know if he's fundraising yet for his next election. It's not, I think it's not for a little while. Um, I'm assuming it's 2022 where he's up again. Cause usually here in Maryland, it's four years, not two years. Uh, but man, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just stunned. But, but the best we can do is, is, is keep hammering these cases, keep publicizing it. Uh, the, the worst thing is when people don't know about it. So keep sending me your emails. I don't have time to delve through all of them, but you know, it's never too much. The worst is I won't see it, but I'll, I'll try to delve through it and talk about it on the show, write an article. Um, D Horowitz at blaze media is the email tweet me at, at, uh, RM conservative on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube page at conservative reviews, YouTube page, make sure to send this video to every one of your friends, Democrat or Republican. I really don't think anything we discussed today is inherently even conservative. It, it's anyone in America who's not a violent criminal should support this. All of us. We, we could disagree on the climate and, and abortion and whatever. But I mean, come on. We got to get violent criminals off the streets. It's that simple. And that starts with other countries' criminals because just that's the easiest to do. They don't have a right to be here, so you just deport them. And then, yes, we need to close all these loopholes that allow repeat offenders off the street. And when you do that, what you're going to do is deter a lot of the first timers. We view what these kids did in Frederick as the most horrific homicide imaginable. But to them, it's another day in the park. Quite literally, that's what they do. They, they want to have fun and see if they can just beat someone. Man, I'm just I am just so upset. But um, we'll come back with a better spirit tomorrow, hopefully till tomorrow. God bless you all. And thanks for listening.